Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stuntstill Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Discimera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Keith Gasper, Dave Jack. Jackson, Eric Guess, Kayla Jackson, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, and Mike the Ref from Backbreaker Gaming. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Welcome to The Flight, a consumable curation of champions and catastrophes that is considered of your chronometer. It's me, Chris. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another flight. And always, I am joined by your host, Shane, the not elongated Dick Dragon Koski. How are you doing today, sir? I, I don't know how I feel about that addition to my moniker. I mean, are we just, are we saying that because of The Flight and how chronometer considerate it is is that is yes, that why we're a, saying that okay it's a little stubby that, mm, you know compared eh, to our more girthier episodes okay yeah i mean it's whatever listen the episode just got out of the pool okay like i don't know what to tell you but everyone loves a pool party so i mean it's ah, going to happen every once in a while that is true yeah especially party in the hot tub maybe this isn't the best conversation for our topic today which is our fem- favorite female protagonists okay oh, they, they do not want us <laughs> getting out of the pool <laughs> Uh yeah, I didn't even think about that. I was gonna make an, <laughs> I was gonna make another Twitch hot tub comment, but then I was like, this is maybe maybe not the best time for that. Uh, let's talk about the women that have created a a an atmosphere that of of respect and uh, equality while talking about dick jokes. We're on a roll, people. We are we are the best. Listen, I don't this know topic- what else you expect from us, really. At this point, yes. Uh, this topic, by the way, was nominated by Tony G, who is one of our patrons. So if you want to nominate a topic as well, join our Patreon and head over to our Discord, where we have a section called Top 5 Suggestions, which is a Patreon-exclusive you know, benefit, a perk, if you will. Mm, uh, a Benny, yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, maybe perk isn't the best word for this episode either. I'm not getting into it, but uh, we are here, as we have already said, to talk about our top five favorite female protagonists and why they are there. Uh, did you have any, I mean, I'm sure you have a, I was going to ask if you have any difficulty, but that sounds incredibly chauvinistic, but wow. Uh, any, any, I know, <laughs> we're, right? We're just uh, <laughs> batting a thousand so far. Oh my God. Uh, actually, I had difficulty in that I had a hard time narrowing the list down if I'm being perfectly honest, like I, I had more yeah. than just five. And so I had to sort of agonize over who was, who was going to make the cut. I, I'll be honest. Uh, most of these characters I think are in some cases better than their, their male equivalents. Mm. If I'm going to be so forward and that's just not me, you know, trying to make up for the, uh, borderline horrible comments I've been making up until this point. <laughs> but, uh, 
I, I think I think I've put together a pretty good list. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then I I mean, I suppose I suppose we want to hear that list. So uh, that seems like as good a segue as any for you to to kick this thing off, right? So uh, why don't why don't you give us your your number five? Number five. All right, my number five is Fem Shep. It's uh. the female Commander Shepherd. She probably could have been higher on this list, but I, I probably just placed her this low because it can be a male character. But Fen Shep is a great character regardless, just because Shepherd is a great character. And True. I think Jennifer Hale voiced uh, Fem Shep. That and did a right. phenomenal performance. Yeah, phenomenal performance that really brought the character to life, even better than the the male voice actor did, who I can't remember the name of. I'm sorry, I didn't wasn't looking up male characters for this list this week. So if you want to check out a very good female protagonist, a very good character in a very good game, go play Mass Effect. Play as the female version of Shepard, and yeah, you're going to have a really good time. I, I don't think it really matters in a role-playing sense. I think there's still a lot to explore and still a lot to enjoy regardless of which gender you're playing as. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, kicking off my list is Joanna Dark from Perfect mm. Dark, the N64. I don't, I don't want to talk about the, the version of her in Perfect Dark Zero because they basically made her look like the backup dancer in a 2000s music video. But... Uh, yeah, she's, I mean, so she probably also could have been higher on my list, but honestly, I think a lot of why she's here is just because honestly, just of how kick-ass she actually is. I mean, being the top agent at the Carrington Institute, she specializes in, in all the good stuff, right? Combat, espionage, undercover ops, like all of that. And she's essentially the female counterpart to James Bond in just about every way except maybe the she doesn't really have the the uh the the polar opposite of his trademark womanizing so you might argue <laughs> that maybe she's better off for that uh but yeah yeah she's just a really great character she um you know she like i said she's she's very capable um she's witty she's got that great british accent going on um so not a whole lot more to say there i just really like her as a character Number four. My number four is Lara Croft. Mm. And and hear me out on, on this one. I know that, and I'm talking about in like the original Tomb Raider series, because I haven't played the new ones. And the reason I say this is a lot of people, I think, think of Lara Croft as just this, this sexy pinup girl, and there's really not much to her other than her triangular titties. I get that. Uh, and I do think that's really part of the marketing. But I think what makes Lara an incredible protagonist is the fact that when you actually play these games and you actually go look at her character, she's really a no-nonsense adventurer mm -hmm. for the most part. She's she's very confident. She's very assertive. She's very skilled. She has her own personality. And she doesn't take any shit. She's, she's like Indiana Jones, but just female. And 
I think what makes it more special is up until that point, you really didn't have that in video games. And if you did, you didn't have that sort of personality. Now, why is she number four if I'm saying all these amazing things about her? It's because the games suck. Let's let's be real. <laughs> I, I think they control like ass. I think they've always controlled like ass. And if you're telling me you enjoyed it, then you enjoy it. I'm not going to to hate you for it. But I don't I don't like the games themselves. But I do think that she is a great character that really moved female characters to the forefront of gaming. And I think there's there's not many other female characters or or even characters in media that really did that for areas of demographics that aren't usually represented. So yeah, Lara Croft, uh, one of the breakout milestone characters in gaming, even if a lot of people just view her as a sex object, unfortunately, there's, there's much, much more to her than that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, so my number four is going to be Heather Mason from Silent Hill 3. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, part of why she's on the list is obvious my very clear bias for silent hill particularly the the first three games but i also just really think she's a pretty well-rounded character and she's a surprisingly accurate representation of a teenager frankly in that she starts the game off as your you know typical teen girl who's you know, interested in, you know, shopping and things like that, not to overgeneralize, but, you know, just a, a basic sort of person, you know, no weird mm -hmm. shit happening or anything like that. And she's got that teen attitude, which for the most part, she carries through the rest of her experience in Silent Hill 3. But I think it, it, it evolves along with her in that it goes from her just being this like nonchalant, I don't give a shit you know, run-of-the-mill teen to kind of taking that and kind of almost building it as a strength in that she's actually turns out to be very resilient throughout this process and faces these unimaginable horrors and is able to continue on in this in this quest that she's on to uh, to basically, in a way, avenge her adoptive father, Harry, uh, who was killed by the cult. And also... Finding out that you're the reincarnation of a psychic child who was almost forced to birth an evil god, um, hmm. that's kind of, you know, that's pretty badass. Uh, and also the fact that she handled it as well as she did. Um, but the thing is, is like, she's very human. Like, e even though she's facing these insane supernatural odds... Um, she reacts in a way that you would expect an actual human being to react, but she also finds her own strength through that process, um, while still maintaining her personality. Uh, so I just, I think she's a really well-developed character. And like I said, it's, it's one of the, the, the first three Silent Hill games. And so of course they're going to be, you know, special to me. So, uh, so that's why she's on my list. Not entirely shocked. I, I do need to play Silent Hill 3. I've never played that one. So that is something I need to get to. Sounds like it's worth it, but it seems it like is. nothing will compare to 2, unfortunately. Uh, no, no, probably not. <laughs> but, but 3 is pretty good in its own right. Number 3. Speaking of 3s, my number 3 is Bayonetta. Mm. And... I, I think it's just because I love her as a character. I, If you couldn't tell, I love very assertive, powerful female characters. 
Uh, and I, I just like her general demeanor, how she's so flirtatious, but at the same time, she will step on you and not in the like, well, maybe the sexual manner. I don't, I don't know, but it's <laughs> like, she has no interest in, in you sexually. Like she is going to play with you. She'll give that impression, but she's not there to do that. She's there to kick ass and take names. And again, I like that about female characters. It just, you know, having this very dominant personality. Maybe that says a lot about me. I'm not sure. I don't know how <laughs> I was going to say that, but I mean, yeah. hey, you know, everybody's got their thing. I don't know how women view Bayonetta. I know there's been a lot of back and forth that she's a symbol of female empowerment. I know that uh, there's been an argument that she's very sexualized. I, I don't know. I'm not making a stance on either one of those, you know, in terms of her. However you see Bayonetta is how you see Bayonetta. I just view her as an awesome character that kicks demons and angels butts and is yeah an incredibly competent character who's not overly complex i'm sure she is if you really want to look into it but the stories can't be as shit so i don't want her to be complex maybe that's my own head canon but yeah it's 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 like she's one of the dudes and i love that so yeah bayonet is my number three it's a good pick it's a good pick uh I, i'm wondering if we're going to be doing some like some swip swapping here of like our our, our choices on the rest of this list, Maybe. but we'll find out. But my number three is Alice Landale from Fantasy Star. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's, and we talked about this in our Fantasy Star episode a while back. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, you you definitely should. It's actually, I think that was one of the ones we split into a two-parter. Um, yeah. But she's just, uh, she's a great character, you know, and her motivations are pretty pure to begin with. And then they expand into, you know, a much more uh, consequential sort of like world altering quest. But uh, she's also one of the earliest examples of, of a female protagonist. And I think her representation is done very well. And this again, this is something we went into pretty decent detail in the fantasy star episode, but you know, she begins her journey to avenge her brother Nero's death. Uh, but as I said, she kind of ends up on this quest to save the algo system from, you know, a much greater evil overall. And, uh, you know, picks up a lot of friends and com compatriots along the way, not least of which, uh, meow, who is love and also life. And, meow's, uh, meow's love and life. Yes. Yeah. And Praise she, meow. yeah. And, you know, so I think, like I said, her her motivations for what she does initially may be a little selfish, but I think ultimately justified. And then she sort of just takes on this much weightier task sort of in stride. And um, and that's pretty admirable. So I just think she's a, she's a really great character. And like I said, one of the earliest examples of like just a really good female protagonist. And you'll be hearing more about her later. Mm, I, I thought that might be the case. <laughs> Number two. All right. My, my number two is Kaine from uh, Nier. I almost, I almost put her. Oh, she is, she is so good. Again, a surprise, a very confident and assertive character, except she's she's far more complex, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And she comes off as more complex. She has layers. She has a backstory. You know, there's a reason that she dresses the way that she does, which I've heard is a little patronizing and reductive. I'm not going to get into that here. But uh, she's she's just a fantastic character. I love the fact that she's foul mouthed. 
I love the fact that she she's also a badass. I I love the conversations and personalities that uh, personality exchange that she has with uh, Grimoire Vice. I I think that's the highlight of that game because I actually think Near himself is pretty fucking boring. So when you get down to brass tacks, the the reason you're playing Near are for those communication exchanges between Kaine and everything and Grimoire Vice and everything. And she just brings that game to life and really drives the narrative forward every single time she is there. She's she's magnetic. The player is going to care about her. The character is going to care about her motivations. And, and slight spoiler here, like the ending of the game really revolves around her. Uh, in, in addition to, of course, uh, your your daughter, Yona, or your sister, Yona, depending on what version you're playing. So Kaine, love her. She is my number two. I, I hope everyone can experience uh, you know, playing near and experiencing the character that is Kaine. Yeah, that's a really good pick. I That was one of the ones I think I struggled the most with, and I ended up dropping it from my list, but she's... She's a strong honorable mention for me. Let's just let's just put it mm-hmm. that way. All right. Well, my number two uh, might sound familiar. It's a. Uh, it's in fact Bayonetta. Ooh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Go figure. Uh, so I mean, for her, I think really the big piece is it's just like the rule of cool kind of applies here in just about every every case. Like she's just an awesome character. Her design is fantastic. Her her voice acting is on point. Like her attitude, like Chris mentioned, is just very like devil may care. Like I'm gonna do me, and I don't really give a shit about anything else. And but she's also very playful at the same time. So you feel like you know she would be a really cool like friend to hang out with. That's kind of the sense that I get. And mm-hmm. um, also just being like, and a little bit of that that backstory that. Chris, I guess, doesn't want to recognize or something, but being like this forbidden child of a Lumen Sage and an Umber Witch, and then getting imprisoned in a jewel under a lake for like 500 years, the one thing that came to mind for me, probably unsurprisingly, is that there seems to be a lot of parallels to the established Diablo lore in this as well. I do not think in any way that this was intentional, but I think it's part of why I kind of dig it. Um, But like her essentially being a Nephilim, if we're talking in terms of like, you know, the Diablo backstory, uh, and then the jewel imprisonment being this very clear parallel between that and the soul stones that imprison the prime evils in Diablo. And so I just thought there were a lot of cool connections there that, like I said, I do not think were intentional in any way, but I just saw a lot there and I thought that was pretty neat. But, uh, but yeah, man, she's just, she actually does have a pretty, pretty complex background. There's a lot of things that she ends up grappling with being this sort of like fated destruction of the world as we know it, because a union between a Lumen Sage and an Umber, which was supposed to be forbidden because the child was going to be, you know, basically bringing the apocalypse and how she sort of tackles that um, sort of like, well, <laughs> no pun intended, but straddles that line <laughs> between those two Ooh. things. Um, I just think it's really it cool. It definitely was intended. I blame you, Shane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It actually was intended, but you know, naughty, whatever. What? <laughs> yeah. I feel like she would appreciate that commentary. That's all I'm going to say. I do. Yeah. But Bayonetta is pretty awesome. So, so that's why she's on my number two. 
Number one. All right. I, I think everyone knows what my number one is because I already said that she would be on this list later. And my number one is is a list from Fantasy Star. Mm. And many of the same reasons that Shane already mentioned. My my key sticking point with her is that this is a character that you know was I think was 1988 that the game came out I think in North America it came out in 88 same with Japan now I know it comes out after Final Fantasy and and Dragon Quest in in the Japanese arena but this is the very first role playing game on a home console that was released in North America at least that was a Japanese role playing style game and you immediately get thrusted with this female character which in the 80s was almost unheard of at least having at least being out there and letting the player know in a genre that was already niche enough that you are going to be playing with a character that is female but at the same time they don't make a big deal about it it's like this is your character okay go adventure just like you did in dragon quest at least in japan or just like you do in any other game here you go this is just this is who she is and we're not going to make a big deal about it. And none of the other characters in the game make a big deal about it. They they treat her as an equal. They see her as an equal. And that goes throughout the entire game. And she carries herself as an equal. She's one of your better party members. That's not named Meow. And she's incredibly reliable uh, and, and incredibly respected and really is kind of, in my, in my mind, kind of like the premier example of how a gaming protagonist should be presented. Just like it would be with any male protagonist in any other video game, that is how Alyssa is given to you. And the fact that everyone who has played Fantasy Star or has been around Fantasy Star, I don't want to say everyone, but everyone I've talked to, at least anecdotally, really enjoys this game and think this is the premier you know, JRPG of the 8-bit console generation. And not once do I ever hear someone mention Alyssa's gender. Mm -hmm. It's just that she is a great character on a great journey in a fantastic game. And I and I love that about that character. So that's why Alyssa is my number one. Um, yes, I mean, it's not going to be as deep as characters that come out later within video gaming. I completely understand that. But I also think for me, that's that's a strength of just how enduring a character can be uh, without really having to have too much of a backstory, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. When I was putting Alyssa on my list, I, I assumed that I was not going to be the only one. Yes. All right, well, getting to my number one, uh, I feel like this might not be terribly surprising to anybody who's listened to the show for a little bit because I feel like I'm, I've stand for this character quite quite a bit. Uh, but I think mm. she deserves it, and that is Shantae, the half genie. Ooh, she's just awesome. She's just a fun character, <laughs> you know. Like her character design is great. Like everything about not only her but just her games. Like I just love what WayForward does with the character and and the the titles they put out um, with her. It's just they're always a good time. I mean, and again with some of that complexity. And honestly, for me, I think that's really what makes not just a great female protagonist but just a great character you know in fiction in general is having you know these a multifaceted personality you know these one-dimensional cardboard characters are never terribly exciting and Shantae is you know is that in that she's got this backstory she has these 
struggles and motivations, you know, even behind this very cutesy sort of cartoon platformer. You know, she she is a half genie, so she's part human and part guardian genie. Her mother was a guardian genie um, because in this world, all genies are female. And she really just wants to prove to the people of her hometown of Scuttle that she's worthy of being their guardian genie, despite the fact that her powers are what one might consider somewhat meager in comparison to a full-blooded guardian genie. And that's a that's a source of, you know, uh, frustration and concern for her because she really wants to prove herself, but she feels like she's not up to the task. And so um, that's part of, like, her growth as a character. And you see that through the subsequent releases that they've put out in the series where that's kind of the initial plot of the first game is her kind of proving herself. And then at the end, she kind of accepts that being a half genie is perfectly fine because even if her magical powers aren't up to what other full-blooded genies might expect, her her own personal motivation and just like gumption, if you will, kind of, you know, makes up for that perceived lack. And she is still able to, you know, function as a more than worthy guardian for, for Scuttletown. And uh, she's just beloved by pretty much everybody there. Um, and, you know, like I said, I just... And the fact that, like, all of her attacks center around her just, like, whipping her hair at people and doing, like, a little a little shimmy-sham to, like, turn into different animals and stuff with her magic. It's just it's just a fun time. And she's just a really great character. And I will, I will always... I will always stand for Shantae. I feel like she needs more recognition than she gets. I cannot wait to start playing some of these games. I know we've talked about it. They'll they'll be coming on the show at some point. Yeah. We won't tell you when, but it's it's going to happen. I, I'm looking forward to playing a Shantae game. So good choice. Good choice. Good choices all around, I think. And yeah, I think you know, so. I noticed, Shane, none of, these, none of these characters we listed were like love star twits. They weren't damsels in distresses. <laughs> no. So no, no. I, I'm proud of us. Yeah, we we did good. <laughs> straight straight dudes pat themselves on the back for right? female characters. We are yay we are us. <laughs> uh, let's let's get out of here yeah, before I say something more. You stupid. start digging this hole even further. Uh, well, at any rate, we hope that you uh, enjoyed this episode of the flight. Uh, and if, uh, you know, if you have some thoughts on our lists or if you would like to share what your list might be, uh, you can do that in that aforementioned discord that Chris brought up uh, at the beginning of the show because it is, in fact, public and free to join. So you should probably do that because our community is fantastic and we are always having a good time in there. And you can get to that along with everything else related to the show by simply following our link tree. So you can just head over to linktr.ee slash retro hangover and uh, click the button of your choice. And maybe that's the Patreon or maybe that's the merch store or perhaps the Discord or it could be the YouTube channel or our socials or maybe even our twitch.tv channel where we play games. And uh, Chris, when do we do that so that people know when they can join us? So if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday evenings, you will see us playing something. Uh, I have been bringing up that 
Shane plays the spoops, but apparently he also rages to scrolling shooters. So one of those things is going to be happening. Either Shane rages while shooting shooting guns and, and hack and slash or getting scared, or me just playing something random on the Wii U or some Nintendo bullshit. I don't know. I'm always on my bullshit, but you can find out what bullshit we are both on if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Hope to see you there. Yes, much like our character picks today, my Twitch streams are multifaceted. Indeed. All right. Well, I suppose, with all of that being said, until next time. Oh, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Come up with something good, um, Chris. You're on the spot. Jesus Christ. Play with your triangle titty joysticks. There it is. <laughs>